Before the Fellowship was the greatest story you've never heard. I'm Greg. I'm Cameron. I'm Dan. Join us as we read and react to The Silmarillion by J.R.R. Tolkien. Music of the Einar. There was Eru, the one, who in Arda is called Iluvatar. And he made first the Ainur, the holy ones, that were the offspring of his thought. And they were with him before aught else was made. And he spoke to them, propounding to them themes of music. And they sang before him, and he was glad. But for a long while, they sang only each alone, or but a few together, while the rest hearkened. For each comprehended only that part of the mind of Iluvatar, from which he came. And in the understanding of their brethren, they grew but slowly. Yet ever as they listened, they came to deeper understanding and increased in unison and harmony. And it came to pass that Iluvatar called together all the Ainur and declared to them a mighty theme, unfolding to them things greater and more wonderful than he had yet revealed. And the glory of its beginning and the splendor of its end amazed the Ainur, so that they bowed before Iluvatar and were silent. Then Iluvatar said to them, Of the theme that I have declared to you, I will now that you make in harmony together a great music. And since I have kindled you with the flame imperishable, you shall show forth your powers in adorning this theme, each with his own thoughts and devices, if he will. But I will sit and hearken and be glad that through you great beauty has been wakened into song. Then the voices of the Ainur, like unto harps and lutes, and pipes and trumpets, and viols and organs, and like unto countless choirs singing with words, began to fashion the theme of Iluvatar to a great music, and a sound arose of endless interchanging melodies woven in harmony that passed beyond hearing into the depths and into the heights. And the places of the dwelling of Iluvatar were filled to overflowing, and the music and the echo of the music went out into the void, and it was not void. Never since have the Ainur made any music like to this music, though it has been said that a greater still shall be made before Iluvatar by the choirs of the Ainur and the children of Iluvatar after the end of days. Then the themes of Iluvatar shall be played aright and take being in the moment of their utterance, for all shall then understand fully his intent in their part, and each shall know the comprehension of each, and Iluvatar shall give to their thoughts the secret fire, being well pleased. But now Iluvatar sat and hearkened, and for a great while it seemed good to him, for in the music there were no flaws. But as the theme progressed, it came into the heart of Melkor to interweave matters of his own imagining that were not in accord with the theme of Iluvatar. For he sought therein to increase the power and glory of the part assigned to himself. To Melkor, among the Ainur, had been given the greatest gifts of power and knowledge, and he had a share in all the gifts of his brethren. He had gone often alone into the void places, seeking the imperishable flame. For desire grew hot within him, to bring into being things of his own, 
And it seemed to him that Iluvatar took no thought for the void, and he was impatient of its emptiness. Yet he found not the fire, for it is with Iluvatar. But being alone, he had begun to conceive thoughts of his own, unlike those of his brethren. Some of these thoughts he now wove into his music, and straightway discord arose about him, and many that sang nigh him grew despondent, and their thought was disturbed, and their music faltered. But some began to attune their music to his, rather than to the thought which they had at first. Then the discord of Melkor spread even wider, and the melodies which had been heard before foundered in a sea of turbulent sound. But Iluvatar sat and hearkened until it seemed that about his throne there was a raging storm, as of dark waters, that made war one upon another in an endless wrath that would not be assuaged. Then Iluvatar rose, and the Ainur perceived that he smiled. And he lifted up his left hand, and a new theme began amid the storm, like and yet unlike to the former theme. And it gathered power and had new beauty, but the discord of Melkor rose in uproar and contended with it. And again, there was a war of sound more violent than before, until many of the Ainur were dismayed and sang no longer, and Melkor had the mastery. Then again, Iluvatar arose, and the Ainur perceived that his countenance was stern, and he lifted up his right hand, and behold, a third theme grew amid the confusion and it was unlike the others. For it seemed at first soft and sweet, a mere rippling of gentle sounds and delicate melodies, but it could not be quenched, and it took to itself power and profundity, and it seemed at last that there were two musics progressing at one time before the seat of Iluvatar, and they were utterly at variance. The one was deep and wide and beautiful, but slow and blended, with an immeasurable sorrow, from which its beauty chiefly came. The other had now achieved a unity of its own, but it was loud and vain and endlessly repeated, and it had little harmony, but rather a clamorous unison as of many trumpets braying upon a few notes. And it essayed to drown, uh, drown the other music by the violence of its voice but it seemed that its most triumphant notes were taken by the other and woven into its own solemn pattern. In the midst of this strife, whereat the halls of Iluvatar shook and a tremor ran out into the silences yet unmoved, Iluvatar arose a third time and his face was terrible to behold. Then he raised up both his hands and in one chord, deeper than the abyss, higher than the firmament, Piercing as the light of the eye of Iluvatar, the music ceased. Then Iluvatar spoke, and he said, Mighty are the Ainur, and mightiest among them is Melkor, but that he may know, and all the Ainur, that I am Iluvatar, those things that ye have sung, I will show them forth, that ye may see what ye have done, and thou, Melkor, shalt see that no theme may be played that hath not its uttermost source in me, nor can any alter the music in my despite. For he that attempteth this shall prove but mine instrument in the devising of things more wonderful, which he himself hath not imagined. Then the Ainur were afraid, 
And they did not yet comprehend the words that were said to them. And Melkor was filled with shame, of which came secret anger. But Iluvatar arose in splendor, and he went forth from the fair regions that he had made for the Ainur, and the Ainur followed him. But when they were come into the void, Iluvatar said to them, Behold your music. And he showed to them a vision, giving to them sight where before was only hearing. Arid they saw a new world made visible before them, and it was globed amid the void, and it was sustained therein, but was not of it. And as they looked and wondered, this world began to unfold its history, and it seemed to them that it lived and grew. And when the Ainur had gazed for a while and were silent, Iluvatar said again, Behold your music, this is your minstrelsy, and each of you shall find contained herein, amid the design that I set before you, all those things which it may seem that he himself devised or added. And thou, Melkor, wilt discover all the secret thoughts of thy mind, and wilt perceive that they are but a part of the whole, and tributary to its glory. And many other things Iluvatar spoke to the Ainur at that time, and because of their memory of his words, and the knowledge that each has of the music that he himself made, the Ainur know much of what was, and is, and is to come, and few things are unseen by them. Yet some things there are that they cannot see, neither alone nor taking counsel together, for to none but himself has Iluvatar revealed all that he has in store. And in every age there come forth things that are new and have no foretelling, for they do not proceed from the past. And so it was that as this vision of the world was played before them, the Ainur saw that it contained things which they had not thought. And they saw with amazement the coming of the children of Iluvatar and the habitation that was prepared for them. And they perceived that they themselves in the labor of their music had been busy with the preparation of this dwelling, and yet knew not that it had any purpose beyond its own beauty. For the children of Iluvatar were conceived by him alone, and they came with the third theme, and were not in the theme which Iluvatar propounded at the beginning, and none of the Ainur had part in their making. Therefore, when they beheld them, the more that did they love them being things other than themselves, strange and free, wherein they saw the mind of Iluvatar reflected anew, and learned yet a little more of his wisdom, which otherwise had been hidden even from the Ainur. Um, Dan, I remember when you were telling me about uh, the Silmarillion for the first time, because you were the one who introduced me to it. And I was in your first little apartment home, and you were saying, like, yeah, I know you like Lord of the Rings. I know you like Shiloh, but do, have you heard about Shiloh's mom? And you're like, <laughs> a bigger spider? Yeah. And then you're like, yeah, and it has a whole mythology behind it. And you were telling, I remember you telling me the first, this first chapter about the music. Because you're yeah. a musician, and uh, I just thought it was so beautiful the way you described it, and then obviously reading it, it's like a literary masterpiece. I imagine Tolkien was 
happy with with every word that he put down here. Yeah, it's it's so awesome. I mean, I mean, this time round, like things are sticking out to me in, in, in a different kind of way. It kind of hits different because that was probably what I mean. We're talking like eight years ago, maybe when that um, when I shared that with you. Yeah, something. But like that. yeah, it was a long, long time ago. But this, the beginning of this, the first paragraph where you have this idea that they're singing alone and then if or maybe a few together i just imagine this kind of like darkness and and this music that is happening but it's a direct channel to god between the creator and the god iluvatar and the aina the individual aina and they're like there's this communication that's musical and they like the aina only comprehends iluvatar but iluvatar is simultaneously comprehending the music and orchestrating it of all of these individual like beings that then eventually like form together in unison as a part of his not unison in harmony as a part of his sort of plan it's just i mean it's it's an incredible mm -hmm. description i love how they each are playing their own music based on what they understand of the mind of aluvatar and it's a great a great metaphor to think of aluvatar as this great composer because they have all these different musicians playing together but only their parts and as they understand it from the author and composer but it's a great way to explain yeah. like how we're all so different and the saints of the church are so different um and they're playing their own music yeah it's just a beautiful metaphor all the way through and it, yeah. it's a great way to explain like uh the angels um even the problem of evil, like we can get into that. But oh yeah, no, for sure. So I mean, we should probably out. say at this point that we're 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 Catholic. So uh, Tolkien was a Catholic himself. We we we're coming from that worldview. So we should probably just let that know to everybody because I know there's a lot of fans out there that aren't Catholic or don't really understand how much this is influenced by uh, by Tolkien's worldview. I mean, he's not he's not using allegory here. However, the themes and, and, and some of the imagery and some of the philosophy and theology that is kind of put into this world is, comes directly from Catholicism. And so we're, we're, we will see that and it, we won't be able to help talking about it. So just a heads up for our <laughs> listeners. Yeah, the, to, to what you were saying, Cameron, I think one of my favorite parts of this is that reality that they each only know that that particular part that has been shown to them. And that's not exactly, well, it can be how musicians in an ensemble play together, but usually you know the whole piece. You've heard all the parts and you know the piece and you know what you're supposed to be contributing. But So this is kind of interesting that they don't know. They just know their one part and it's this marvelous discovery when they do hear how it harmonizes with everyone else. I, there's something about that that I think is pretty fascinating that it, it's kind of like about our own existence. You know, we don't, that's more true for us than a musician in an ensemble where we don't know fully what our part means in the bigger picture, but that doesn't mean that it's not worth something or good. We just don't know everything. I, I think that's just such a beautiful. We might not image. even feel like we're we're a part of a great ensemble. 
like to imagine that at the end of it all, we'll actually see that we, if we lived well, like played our part well. And if, if we didn't live well, we're still part of the great music and it's used right. for good. Right. But to imagine ourselves as like, I am playing a part. Literally no one else can play it because I'm completely, utterly unique. Um, but I know a lot of times I don't feel like the my life I'm living because I have there's a lot of mundane things in life or yeah. monotony or disappointments or tragedy that make you forget that it all has meaning. There's a there's a great meaning, a great music that the hope is that one day you look back and you see, oh, my goodness, everything, every part of my life was a part of this great, beautiful music. Yeah. And it's I, just even the description of how they, they're kind of growing in their understanding slowly. Like it's at once all it's at once like old and entish in quality. And then at the same time, it's like there's a newborn kind of feel to it in the sense that when a baby is born, they are just listening to their parents talk and they don't understand what the parents are saying, but slowly in the newness of their life, they come into understanding and can now participate. So there's like this, they're being like grown up together um, and learning how to harmonize and be a part of this creation that Iluvatar has put forth before them. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I would love to know if there's anyone who's tried to compose the music of the Einar. Like, I mean, Tolkien doesn't give notes, right. but he describes kind of the different movements that happen. And that would just be so interesting to me. I, I, I've never Googled it, but uh, the idea of you have, you know, beautiful music. So whatever that is in the beginning, a great music, it's called. And then you have this one theme that starts to conflict with the music and um, discord with the music. Mm -hmm. I love that Melkor is like trying to make his part more important. <laughs> like I really I identify with that. It's like, oh yeah, I, like whatever, <laughs> uh, you know, however you want to relate it to your life, but you have your instrument, you're like beating it a little louder. Like you want people <laughs> to notice you. And then it's really upsetting other people and messing up the music. You can imagine the, the anguish of these other Ainur who are, playing the music and they're a part of this great music. It's beautiful. And then this guy like <laughs> completely is starting to ruin it. And it becomes this clash and this like great intense conflict in the middle. I, I love how it's described this loud, vain, endless <laughs> trumpets on the same notes, just like, uh -huh. Oh, it's so annoying. But then it's eventually used for it's woven into something greater. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. the, I love that. I mean, that's the part of it. What, what we're reading here is Melkor's fall, in a sense, right? But he's not totally unrelatable to us, like you said, you know. And I something I noticed reading it this time, the reason that he begins to leave, that kind of gets him on this track, is he wants to find the flame imperishable, is what it says. He goes into the void. Me too, the boredom. secret fire. He goes into the void seeking this flame, and yet that's what brought him into existence. That that's the means by which Iluvatar created him, 
was through this flame imperishable. So it's, it's part of him already, but there's something he's unsatisfied with what he is or what he has in some way and just goes in pursuit in vain pursuit of this thing that is kind of already freely given to him. And I know that's something that probably we can (laughs) relate to as well, you know, like just grasping for things that are beyond us or, um, being, you know, a little bit, uh, unhappy with what, what we have. Uh, and it's, it's interesting that that kind of leads him on this path. I think that this is just the start of his part in the story, but I don't know. I think it's just such a great way for him to be a foundation for him as a character. And it, it gets into it more and more where, like you said, he's, he's trying to make his place bigger than it is. And, um, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but maybe this is a, a good place for us to kind of wrap up. Uh, towards the end of this section, he it's explained that the children of Iluvatar came into the world. So yeah, that was pr- interesting. Primarily that, the, so I think there's like a little bit of different time in here. That it's like this is kind of outside of time in a sense, as far as I understand it. And then when the world is created, they see their music played in history, in a sense. Maybe that's totally off. The, that's the way I understand it is like when they were outside of Arda, the the created the creation, and they were doing this music. This music was creative, and then because Iluvatar says, "Behold your music," when he, when right. he shows them creation, as if their music had created whatever it was. And then you see this with a in the next section we'll read next time the different Valar who are very unique and who contribute very different things to, to creation as well. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. interesting just the writing here because it, it's almost like there's a cliffhanger in this section that we just read because Mal- Melkor, we discover that he kind of um, is sowing disharmony and discord in his own tune. And then you have this sort of admonishment from Iluvatar to him like this kind of, hey, even if you do your own thing, I'm going to make it work for my own thing. <laughs> so it's like a power move that Iluvatar is having on Huge Melkor. power move. Mm-hmm. And, and it just ends with him, like Iluvatar saying, you know, you'll discover the secret thoughts of your mind and will perceive that they are but part of a whole and tributary to uh, its glory, like the glory of um uh, Iluvatar, but then like it just stops. You don't. We don't hear about Melkor again. It just starts talking about the children of right. Iluvatar. Like, and I, like, and I think what's that's setting happen? Like, right. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if I said this already, but the children of Iluvatar refers to, and it'll explain this, I believe, but refers to elves and men. And so, um, but it's interesting because th- those are not part of this original kind of abstract creation or this like kind of spiritual creation, right? And so for the for the um, Ainur, they're just amazed by these creatures that are different from them that they don't understand, and they love them because of that because it they reveal even more of the mind of Iluvatar, which is great. Yeah, it well, says they came with the third theme. So you had the the beginning theme, then the theme of discord, and then when Iluvatar wove it all together, right. it created what we're kind of patterned after in the story. That's such an interesting thing that the elves and men in the story are created in the 
harmonizing of this discord like mm-hmm. as if there we have in us harmony and discord kind of in our dna and our bones yeah well that's probably a good place for us to wrap up this episode if you like what you hear go ahead and rate us three silmarillions out of three follow us everywhere at before the fellowship and send any comments or questions that you have to before the fellowship at gmail.com big shout out to guy k we would not be here without him <laughs> join us next week as we read the greatest story you've never heard the silmarillion by J.R.R. tolkien thanks guy 